Now you're listening to Fantastic Formosa with John Abrams in Taipei. This is uh, John Abrams, and uh, welcome back to another episode of Fantastic Formosa. We have an interesting guest today. Uh, his name's Scott uh, Summers. He's from Canada. He's been here for a very long time. Scott, how, how long have you been here? Oh, I came to Taiwan in, in 1996. So I, 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 have to, I have to calculate it out every time I, I say that because it's 20-something, 20 27, 26 years. Oh, wow. Okay. Things are a lot different back then uh, when you got here. We didn't have the uh, subway MRT system. Um, I believe they had buses, didn't we, Most for the most part? Yeah. Uh, buses, a lot of walking. I, I remember a lot of walking. <laughs> <laughs> and, and a lot of air pollution from those buses, if I recall. Oh, the, the, the whole garbage situation was awful back then. Yeah, I remember you couldn't even see the young, uh, Yamanshan from the Taipei train station it was just uh smog oh yeah yeah and and a smog situation street garbage was uh, uh bad at that time and if i recall there were dogs running around in packs so wild dogs in taipei city that was something that's that's right down down in Xinyi district uh that time there there's a lot of open area and uh, dogs would congregate there at night yeah yeah, I remember uh, people would be riding their bikes and be chased all over Taipei with, by these packs of dogs. <laughs> uh, it's not funny, really, but it was, you know, for a modern city to have packs of wild dogs roaming around, uh, you think of maybe a Alaska or, you know, something, uh, but not a city. Um, <laughs> but I think they finally cleaned it up. Uh, they certainly did. Um, yeah. You do see them outside of Taipei a little bit. Um but uh, Taipei City, you came here from where originally? Well, before I, I lived in Taiwan, I lived in South Korea, in Seoul, and in Japan, in Tokyo, and in Nagoya. All right. What did you uh, do? Which one did you go? You went to Japan first, right? Well, well, in, in uh, 1989, I, gra I graduated uh, with my master's degree from uh, university in Canada. And I went to Japan and I joined the company where a friend of mine was working. I taught English there for, for five years. That must have been extremely expensive. Uh, Japan. The, well, at that time, that it was expensive. Salaries were higher. Um, yeah, it, it was a nice place to to live. But I, I was younger then, and I wanted to see more things happening. And so, in, in uh, ninety ninety five, I moved to South Korea, and, mm. and, and I lived in Seoul for a mm. year and a half, and then I came here. So Seoul and Tokyo are big cities. They're roughly what the same size as Taiwan's population, right? Yeah, yeah. Greater Tokyo is about as big as, as Taiwan. Lord, that is big. Um, it's. I'm sure it's easy to get lost in a city like that. Uh, yeah, it's, it's almost like its own country. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And uh, so before that, you were in university in Canada, and you got your master's degree in sociology. Yeah, that's right. What is sociology, basically, to those who don't understand the, oh, the phrase? I mean, I, I have a really technical answer to that, but the, the best way to, to think about it is it's the study of, of society rather than individual people. Like psychology would be. Yeah. Right. And you got your bachelor's degree in what subject? In psychology. Psychology, which is like Carl Jung, Sigmund Freud, maybe? Well, yeah. Um, 
the the kind of psychology I did was wasn't like that. The I, I did social psychology, which is why I did a master's degree in sociology. All right. So I'm more interested in group group behavior. Hmm. I'm sort of interested in that as well when it becomes a uh, mob uh, rule or mob uh, riots or whatever. Uh, People seem to behave like those birds you see flying in the air, all going in the same direction for no reason. Uh, how does it work? You know, um, how does uh, how does something like a um, you know something that becomes uh, popular, like something people go crazy over a certain food or certain, all of a sudden everyone's listening to the same show or movie and then they stop. Well, how does that start? Uh, well, if you think about. Uh, human evolution and and uh, what, what that kind of situation people w- humans would have evolved in uh, a long t- a long time ago in 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 uh, human prehistory we would have been living in a situation where you're looking for information from people around you rather than through in the in the news or on the on the radio of course yes. and and so you're picking up information from other people about what's happening what's important and and that doesn't work the same way anymore when we're living in large cities uh we're we're not living around our relatives and and people we have uh close relations with and so when when you get information it's not always perceived by your brain the same way people uh your brain makes mistakes mm. and you pick up on the wrong cues the, the cues that are fed to you aren't the right cues anymore right cues now cue is what exactly that's what would my reader sh- or listener? What is a cue? No, just just something that you you when you, when you're looking around at things and you're listening for things and and it's just a thing that you notice. Like in the caveman days, you might listen hear a wolf howl in the distance, and that might that might definitely get your attention. Yes, yeah, so, something like that, or or yeah. it might even be as simple as, as a particular color. Oh, okay, you know, that's some, interesting. Yeah, um, like uh, color red is danger, and the well, color like that, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, you you can uh, there's experimental studies where they get different effects from different colors. Mm. And, mm. Uh, but but everybody knows that pink makes you feel a certain way, or red makes you feel a certain way. Yes. Okay. Yes. I know that um, that uh, there've been studies on how to calm people down using certain colors, like what green, yeah. light green, maybe Soft or colors. yeah, yeah. Interesting. So. Um, there were, when we got first got here, there were all kinds of um, things that would crop up. That suddenly, the entire city would go crazy for uh, what they called egg tarts. Remember oh, when yeah. everyone in the city had to have an egg tart? But uh, they're good. Yeah, but it, but <laughs> I know there were these long lines all of a sudden for no. I know I don't know what set that off. Uh, that's a uh, that and other things in Taiwan uh, as well. People seem to gravitate towards. Is that stopped now with the internet, with everyone with their own private cues and interests? I, I don't know. When, when I was at school here, uh, I mean, what, one of the things that, like, there would be uh, restaurants and coffee shops in the neighborhood of, of the school that would become, uh, they would be covered and it, it would become extremely popular. And so you, you'd go there and you'd see long lines of students. And, right. And next door would be empty, but that, that restaurant. Yeah, why? Would, yeah, same food, maybe, same everything. Um, oh. Well, I mean, well, one of the things is going to be just the density of people here. Mm. So it's, it's easy for people to get around and congregate in, in a way that it's not, say, in, in a city like New York or Los Angeles. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, groups of people in, in a big city like New York might make you a little nervous. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> you, know, you saw a restaurant in New York with a hundred people lined up behind it for hours and hours. You think, what's what's going no on? No one there? knew where there what was going on. It yeah. was nothing, right? Yeah. It was uh, just uh, it's like someone looking up at a uh, like a tourist looking up at a building, and everyone stops and says, well, "Someone's jumping. What, what's going on?" They're looking up, and yeah. pretty soon you have a huge crowd. The police come. Yeah. And, yeah. But, but here you hardly notice it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I heard this great story once about a guy who was jogging through a small town, and uh, and then uh, someone saw him run by, and he started running with him, and, and another person, another, and pretty soon everyone's running, and as they're running, they're saying, oh, uh, the dam broke. There's water coming. And, <laughs> you know, thousands of people are running out of the city. <laughs> it was just a jogger. Um, so that's the sort of strange sociological stuff. I'm interested in, you know, the... Um, what sets off the you know the spark that sets off the fire? Well, but, uh, but if you think about it in in a, like a pre-media or even a pre-literate pre-literate pre-civilization situation, mm. and and how people's brains have evolved to find what's important and what they should be following, it, it makes a lot more sense um, and that if you're if you're just finding out about what's important from your family from the people who are around you who are probably all related to you mm. and and you take you take that that sense of how to of what's important into a modern city where you're surrounded by people that you you're not related to they're not your friends you don't even know but you can see you're going to be making your brain is going to be making mistakes it's looking around what's important and it, and it doesn't know that's sort of the college experience you know you leave your family yeah. small town maybe and you go to, off to the the college and and all of, all of a sudden <clears throat> everything's different. Everyone's interested in some strange things you've never heard of, and suddenly you think these things are interesting as well, even though they may not be. Who knows what? But after four years, your parents don't don't recognize you when you come home for Thanksgiving or Christmas. Well, uh, that that's an interesting way to think about this, actually, because. Um, you know, we you can think that there might be an advantage to to looking for novelty. So you, mm. you know, novelty is a good thing, so, something new, and you want to go investigate it. Um, but but that's fine when you're around your family and your friends who are going to be protecting you. But you you, you take that that kind of evolved brain into a new situation, like away from home. You, you stick it in 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 college. You're talking about, and it's going to be attracted to all kinds of things that it wouldn't wouldn't necessarily be able to handle very well. Yeah. Well, I I think we're roughly the same age. I I don't know if you remember the hippies back in the '60s oh, yeah. and early '70s, oh, yeah. and and that was a phenomenon that just really uh, shocked people back in the day. They went from the crew cut haircuts to being very American or very patriotic, and suddenly everyone grew out long hair and they wore these strange uh, shirts, and uh, they were. You know, they just didn't look like uh, the kid you sent to school. They came back, you know, looking like, well, I don't know what they look like. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, these are phenomena that uh, seem to uh, go, you know, what about Taiwan? When Taiwanese graduate high school here and they go to college, I don't see much difference, really. They're still studying hard. They're still... They do try new things, but it's not as radical as it, the things that you go through maybe in the West. Uh, well, I'm, I'm a university professor. Oh, here in that's right. That's right. Yeah, so I, I, I see uh, uh, the, the, this evolution mm. that you're talking about. Uh, a lot of a lot more students here in in my school uh, live at home than when I was a, a student in Canada. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of students here 
remain dependent on their families in 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 a way that uh, we weren't in Canada. Um, families remain uh, they have they have a lot more contact with their kids even when when they're away from home. Yes, definitely um, here. I mean, yeah. ta- there's a, there's a distance thing. I mean, ta- uh, Taiwan's a lot smaller than Canada is. Um, but it's just more important for like family maintaining family contact is much more important than it was for us in Canada. Yeah, I mean the West. Uh, yeah, when you hit eighteen, you're kind of considered an adult. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and uh, well, it's a strange system actually in America. Sixteen, you can drive. Eighteen, you can, are adult. You can go to prison. Mm-hmm. 21, you can uh, drink alcohol. Yeah. It's sort of a gradual yeah. system. Um, but here, you know, uh, it's not unusual for kids to stay at home with their parents until they marry, right? Even afterward. That would be embarrassing in America. Yeah. Uh, we would consider that a failure in yeah. some strange way. Well, it's interesting. You, you raise that point because I, th- I think about this often when, when I hear news from America and, and Canada uh, about uh, adult adults living at home. Peter right? Peter Pan's we call him in America, I think, yeah. right? The idea that a thirty year old man, especially you know, if, if he's got a job and he and he could be dependent, but he's not, and he's living with his parents, and he's not saving money, he's spending it. Trust yeah. me, <laughs> video <laughs> games or whatever. Well, this this is supposed to be a sign of, of the failure of, of Western society, right? But here, I. I I, I don't want to say it's common or natural, but it's it's not seen as a stigmatizing thing. Mm, mm. But they save their money. They they seem to be more pragmatic or practical. And uh, the women here, they get they get their college degrees and they work and save money. And then around twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven, they start looking for a husband. But in America, it seems to be the complete opposite. You you get married at sixteen, have a baby, and you know, you don't get to go to school and you don't save money. It's just a, a complete reversal. It's a nightmare. Yeah. I, I don't know how common that, that is anymore. In uh, America. Or, okay. or here. The, mm. the, the students that I have, because I, I talk to them about this, they they don't have any interest at all in marrying. Really? No. Okay. None, none at all. So now we have the problem of what? Four grandparents, right? Two parents and then no brothers, maybe one brother and sister, and then you're going to... Who supports that structure? The grandparents, and, and as they get older, they need, here they, the family supports them, right? America, you sort of dump your grandparents off at the local uh, old folks, we call it old folks home, and you, you drop by the funeral home, yeah. <laughs> you know, three years later. It's a very horrible thing uh, in the Western culture to see, but they don't normally do that here, right? I, my, my feeling is, is that when I talk to my students about that, they find it in, inhumane. That's something that a lot of Western pe- people today, I, even my generation, would shrug off. Um, we did take care of our grandparents. Uh, that was uh, drilled into me. My great-grandparents, I don't know if you had a memory of them even, no. but I, I certainly did. Uh, but then in America, we had a huge divorce rate in the 1970s, and wow, you know, the whole, everyone seemed to be on their own. Um, you had the second fathers, second husbands, third husbands, and just unraveled the fabric of the uh, Western culture. Um, well, I, I remember when, when I was teaching college in Japan, I, I had a conversation with some of my students that, that reflects on this. And 
um, they were at that time there was still the uh, the salaryman seniority system in Japanese companies. You you entered a company and you would spend your whole life whole there life and, yeah and be promoted as you got older based on your on your on your seniority in the company right. rather than your skill level. Yeah. Well, well, the young students I had, they were very upset about this system because they saw themselves as more energetic and talented than older people. And they wanted opportunity to uh, be promoted more quickly than older, slower people. And, and I, 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 t- I told them, you know, in the, in the United States where the, this kind of system is more entrenched, skill-based uh, promotion system, that, you, you know, th- this, this is all really good if, if you're young and energetic and highly skilled, but if, if you're not one of those people, this doesn't always work out very well for you. And you get older and you stop making more money. You don't get the promotions that you want. You don't, um, maybe, maybe your, you, your family loses interest in you as well. And, and I could see my students and they were looking really puzzled. And this, this, one, this one young man said to me, well, what happens to you then? And, and I said, well, you might just die. Okay. And he was, he, he, this had never dawned on him. He was Death. shocked by this idea <laughs> oh that your family would just sort of abandon you oh my as, God. as this, you're this person who's worked their whole life and you, you gave birth to them and you raised them and they would just abandon you and, and your company that you worked for would abandon you. Oh yeah. Yeah. The Japanese system companies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he, and they, they didn't talk to me about that after. Oh, after yeah, they're, yeah, they're kind of a positive conversation. Yeah. Uh, you want to hang around uh, you after that. Yeah. <laughs> um, there, I, I, I remember some incident where uh, a Jap, it was in the news, oh gosh, a long time ago, a Japanese uh, worker had had a stroke or something. And the only thing he recognized was the company uh, logo. He didn't <laughs> couldn't recognize his own family m- members when they came oh. to see him. Oh. That's a I, that would be indicative, I think, of something you might be pointing to. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, a, a commitment to, to work and uh, and your your family's growth, but but everybody's working together in 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 a way that say uh, Americans or Canadians don't don't really recognize. Yeah, in America. When I grew up, at least, um, we had unions in the factories, yeah. and you you could keep your job, um, and it was skill-based, of course. Um, so later, it became sort of, began to fall apart during the 1970s, the unions, and then you became sort of like kids that were, you know, in high school we would work at the burger burger place, you know, McDonald's or Pizza Hut or whatever. Now those jobs are are like career jobs for adults. I yeah. mean, that's crazy. Um we made jokes back then that you know, we would someday take turns uh flipping each other's burgers for dinner, um which has come true in very dark ways. Um but I don't want to depress people uh listening in. I you know, just to to uh, balance out these two different cultures, the West versus the East, uh, and uh, you do other things besides teaching and sociology. I think you're involved in some physical activities as well. Rugby. I when I first met you, we were playing rugby, and uh, after you know, I thought American football was tough, but <laughs> after watching you guys, the with the uh, baboons was yeah, it the baboons. Bab- uh, Taipei baboons play for an hour? I realized that uh, well, you guys are just quite insane, actually. Um, <laughs> I, th- I just never seen anybody hit someone so hard before without pads, yeah. protective 
helmet, nothing. Yeah. It was just uh, so. Uh, how long did you play? Oh, I well, I, I'm from British Columbia. It's the western part of Canada, and we played rugby in school. And I played for my school for a little while. So I, I was introduced to the game when I was very young, mm. and then when I was living in Japan. Um, some businessmen from New Zealand were organizing a team, and I, I start, so I started playing a game because I was familiar with the game. And I played in Korea, and, and I, I played here. Uh, so when, when I came here in 1996, I joined the Baboons, and I, I was in contact with them before I arrived. Right. So. This is before the Internet, when you could actually... How, how did you contact them before you got here? Um, um, there were uh, players on my team in Korea who oh. had, had lived here before, and, and they knew them. And, All right. Uh, I, I guess I wrote them. I, I don't actually Yeah, remember. back in the day yeah. when we had to write letters. Because oh. I, I remember waiting in the the Hilton Ho the old Hilton Hotel coffee shop for Roger, mm. and he drove down there on his motorbike, and he met me and introduced me to some of the guys. That was the old school, yeah, yeah before cell phones, before anything. Yeah. yeah. We had beepers, I think. Remember the beepers? They would beep and someone just left a message on your... I, I guess I must have written to Roger and asked for his phone number. Mm -hmm. He wrote me back and then when I arrived here... Right, I right. Him, wow. Yeah. Wow, the, the, the That brings back memories, don't it? Yeah. What about that? Writing a letter. Oh my gosh. Put a stamp <laughs> on it. Go in the post office, arguing with the postmaster, oh. <laughs> saying, no, it has no, no money in it. No, you have to fill out a customs form. It's a letter. Well, you should have done a postcard. Oh, my God, you know. Um, yeah, uh, kids today, we always said that. Every generation says this. Uh, the kids today, they don't know what it's like to walk 20 miles in the snow to go to school. <laughs> I go, well, you know, I did walk 20. I didn't walk 20. I, you know, walked through the snow to get to school. I don't remember it being uh, a life and death struggle each day, um, but whatever. Um, but these kids today will have their own challenges. I, I'm, I'm Assuming, uh, I do worry about the next generation of what we call woke uh, social justice warriors, and you may have heard that uh, the listeners may have heard of, of this woke. Uh, it's a it's a, a very popular thing in college today, and 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 uh, they seem to uh, run away from anything challenging uh, physically, uh, something that might be dangerous. Uh, they they have a safe space, they call it. Uh, a tent. Uh, they might go into a tent on campus uh, with teddy bears and balloons. And uh, what is that about in America? Oh. I, I haven't lived in Canada for so long. I, I, I don't. This is a term I'm familiar with, and I talk about it a lot with my friends on on Facebook. I'm I'm not really clear what it means. Um, you know, I, I guess it's connected to this term, politically correct. That that that, that was right. That PC. Was Me and you in college had to deal with this. Yeah, that was the term. When, when yeah, we were. people said. You know, I I often ask people in college. This is in the early eighties. What does PC mean? Political. What does that mean? What I have. What I have to do to be politically correct? And they said, "Don't be rude." Well, that makes perfect sense. I. Yeah. But later, it, it evolved into the woke, the social justice warrior, the. You know, and uh, the uh, support the the victim. Everyone's a victim, except you know. It, it just now it's very confusing. I think it would be confusing for our listeners as well if they were to go to America and and wonder why there's um, some very strange uh, safe spaces with balloons and teddy bears in them on campus rather than going to the library and 
you know, learning, reading a book maybe, or uh, my old university library is now a coffee shop, or at least it has a coffee shop in it to try to attract people to go into the building. Uh, my gosh, uh, you know, it's a phenomena, right? What is a phenomena for our listeners? Uh, a, th- a thing, an event, uh, uh, something that you notice or you, you see, um, because you don't, there's a lot of things going on around you, most of which you don't notice, but a phenomena is, is a thing that you would notice. Right. We often talk about weather phenomena. Yeah. Right. A typhoon or tornado, definitely. Tornadoes are definitely a weather right. phenomena. <laughs> but uh, there's lots of weather that you don't notice. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't pick you up and throw you back down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've, you've been here a long time. You were here during the 99 earthquake, right? Yep. Wow, where were you? I was here too. Where were everyone remembers these one days when the whole world went upside down? I, uh, I was at home asleep. Did you sleep through the, the earthquake? No, no of we got up. <laughs> that, that, that's when I, I, I had two roommates at that time a, a Taiwanese student and a foreign student, mm. um, foreign PhD student. And we got up in the middle of the night and. Um, we, we lived in a five-story cement building at that time, and we, we weren't sure it was going to survive the oh, evening. buried alive. Well, oh one, my God. one of my roommates <laughs> suggested that we, we go sleep in the park behind the building <laughs> in case it collapsed. <laughs> oh and, and Where was this in Taipei? Uh, down at Huping Donglu. Okay, yeah. all right, all right. And, and, and so I, I put on my boots and a motorcycle helmet and gloves <laughs> and, and, and underwear. And I put money in my pocket just in case I had to get up in the middle of the night and flee the building as it was collapsing. Oh, no. <laughs> that sounds pretty radical, well, actually. That's what my roommate said. Well, if you're going to do that, let's go sleep in the park. Wear a helmet. Yeah. Yeah. I I was in Tinmu, and uh, that's, uh, you know, granite. You know, it's got a lot more structure under the yeah. building. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, my air conditioner stopped. And the electricity was out, yeah. so I thought, well, that's strange. And then I could hear the car alarms in the distance going off, yeah. you know, getting closer and closer. And I knew there was a wave of some sort. And and man, it was like hitting, being hit by a truck. Oh my God! Uh, the floor, uh, did the floor weave back and forth for you? I. I like, because the the cement building um, it doesn't weave like the brick ones no, do. No, that that and that's really scary. That's yeah. Because it, it it's like like this shock. It, the entire building is is shocked. You feel like it's going to break. How high were you? Fourth, fifth, fifth floor. We were right on the top. Okay, I had friends that were in these high high scra- uh, higher buildings that went up to ten, eleven floors, and they said it was like being on a roller coaster, um, you know, weaving back and forth. Oh yeah. Um, man, yeah. And then what was even stranger is that, uh, you know, you could hear people upstairs and downstairs screaming, uh, which was even, you know, more interesting, actually, because you realize that it was real. Um, Uh, And your imagination is going crazy. What's happening to these poor people? uh, Um, And then afterwards, everyone lit candles, which was a huge mistake, uh, because the gas lines were broken and the fires broke out. So... But that was something, yeah. That sort of measures your time here uh, when you when you have something to touch on. So you uh, you do physical stuff. You do martial arts, apparently, right? Well, uh, um, 
I played rugby up up and up until I got married, and uh, my my wife at that time she she asked me uh, to stop playing rugby because she she thought it was dangerous. And um, uh, so I uh, when when I was younger, I, I did a lot of martial arts, and so I started doing this again. Um, there was a, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu club that was opened up in in Taipei in two thousand and two. Mm. And they, the head coach at that time was a, a Taiwanese-born uh, American. He grew up in America, but he came back to Taiwan to coach. Mm. So I started doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu then. Mm. Um, yeah, and uh, I, I did that for many years, and then I did judo. And yeah, you, I, th I thought I remembered you had done judo and jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Right. I, for me, I don't know what the difference is. Um, well, well, formally, jujitsu is the term that refers to the unarmed combat techniques of the Japanese samurai. Before, unarmed, before they were okay. given guns. No sword, and just go to it. All right. And, but after guns were introduced into Japan, it broke off into sports like uh, karate, mm. aikido, and judo. Mm. Um, so judo and jujitsu are are historically connected to each other. Now, jujitsu, I've been told, no, I've never done this. I've, I've been told that it's a more pragmatic way of, a, of dealing with self-defense. Is that, is that true? You don't actually hurt somebody. You, you can subdue them. You, can, you don't have to worry about, uh, and, you, and you can be a, a lesser size, right? It, it's like playing chess a little bit. There are, there are strategies to it that are, maybe, I, I, you know, I, you're, the, you're the expert. Well, why? Um, that this is not wrong, um, and this these are good ways to to think about judo and jujitsu. Um, uh, when when people talk about uh, being being small and being able to use it, what what uh, what they mean is that uh, like a, a lar equally trained larger people will, will should always be smaller people, but the the advantage that jujitsu gives you is that. Uh, a smaller person can effectively use it against a larger, a much larger person who has no experience. Yeah, mm. and uh, they can protect themselves yeah. within within reason. No knives, no whatever. Um, I, I I often say that that uh, unarmed combat techniques have a, have developed to such a point now that they are equivalent to a weapon. Mm. Uh, mm. Even yeah. jujitsu, which is yeah, properly trained people should should never lose against untrained people mm. Mm. anymore. So if you're going to recommend those three, one of those three, Aikido, I think you said, was it? Well, and Jiu-Jitsu and Karate. And, and Which and one would you want your, your my son, for example, to study? He, he could only well, choose one. Well, there, there's, there's a lot of different options that are available now. Um, I, I mean, the, 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 my real answer to that is he should choose the one that he likes doing the most. Because sure. Then he's going motivation. To yeah. Well, Motivation is a really big uh, factor. If uh, I mean in Taiwan, for example, there's very well developed Taekwondo, which is a different yes. different tradition. Than, they do than very well here, but they have, they have a lot of clubs. They they have a very effective uh, training and recruitment for for children that feed into national level competition, right. Olympic competition, Olympic here. style stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So so Taekwondo in Taiwan, Taekwondo is very good, and I. Uh, if your children want to do that and you have an uh, appropriate place for them to train, I, I think that's a great a mm. great way to, mm. to start doing this sort of thing. Um, and then, then graduate to something else? Or? Yeah, if, if, you, if you want to. Uh, I mean, I, I've, I've done that uh, as well. Like well, when I lived in Canada, I, I studied Gong Fu uh, and Judo, and then I, I came here and did Jiu Jitsu and Judo, and, and now I'm involved in mixed martial arts competitions. And now that's pretty rough. 
MMA, they always talk about, well, that's that's when uh, the the rubber meets the road. We say in America, that's the reality of the of a, a serious fight. Uh, well, there's a there's a lot of uh, medical investigation into this. Medical, and okay. Now, okay, if you compare MMA with with boxing, uh, boxing rules are such that uh, competitors can punch much harder than you get in MMA. So so you get a lot of a a lot more brain concussion boxer. in okay. boxing. Oh my God! Yeah, be- because of the structure of the rules. But but what you see in MMA is horrendous bone injuries. Oh, my you, God, yes. You, you see people's bodies get bent at a- oh. angles that, Ugh. yeah, I shouldn't elaborate on that. But, no. But th- that, um, that's, that's the big the big source of injury that you see in MMA I've that you don't see in other sports. I've seen some stuff on YouTube that scares the hell out, yeah. that scares me. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, and so many of these injuries are, in, in, in American boxing style, You, it's facial, you yeah. know, but uh, MMA, you got huge bruises I've seen on the ribs, uh, you know, places that you don't normally see because you don't have their, you don't have that that post. Uh, you see it on the boxing, but you don't see it later, uh, what they've done to each other. You'll uh, get a lot of bone injuries and in, in soft tissue injuries in, in MMA that you won't see may, maybe outside of car injury. Right. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, uh, so... Here in Taiwan, uh, when you you go to an MMA event, let's say, then they are they have quite a few here, right, where people can come and and, and see MMA uh, tournaments. There, there's a, a Chinese uh, Chinese Taipei Mixed Martial Arts Association, and right. that, that's the uh, official sanctioning body of, All right. of mixed martial arts in, in Taiwan. Um, they they hold events twi- twice a year, generally right. twice a year. Um, the, these are very well organized events. They have doctors. They have licensed referees. Uh, all the fighters are uh, sanctioned by the association. Mm-hmm. So you know, we we generally know each other. So, okay, so it's, it's a small group of foreigners, or well, it's not just foreigners. It, mo- most of the competitors are Taiwanese guys. So they get along pretty oh, well. Oh, oh, oh yeah, there's there's no. It's at- like a family almost, right? Uh, it, it, it's a. It's a professional sporting body. Yeah, you, know, you have something to talk about. You guys share the same interests. Well, I m- many of these are, are people that I've known for known or trained with in different clubs in different capacities. Right. Um, we we um, uh, like the last event that I went to. Um, you know, there there were there were there were guys competing against my training partners who I had trained with in previous clubs, and we don't we don't feel like we hate each other. Or anything. No, it's no. a sporting event. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, in American boxing, you often see these guys stand off and they badmouth each other before they get out there and pummel each other. It, it makes you feel as if they do hate each other. <laughs> well, well, sometimes that happens, but that happens in any sport. It right. Golf. And, golf. And, well, you know, competitors don't like each other for various <laughs> yeah, reasons. It's hard to see anyone with a golf club coming at you. <laughs> You know, I, but but generally, it's it's not a situation that that you don't go there. Uh, I I would take my daughter to one of these events. There, there, sure. there are kids roaming around. There are lots of women in attendance. You uh, you mentioned a few over the over the years, and I took my sons, and and they were a little shocked by the physicality of it all, but uh, violence. And I had to leave early and take them out. But I think as they get older, maybe. They become more interested, but yeah, girls are in- involved here as well, oh, yeah, right? That, uh, MMA and uh, women's MMA in Taiwan is quite competitive. Wow. Yeah. Okay. See, when I first got here, you and me, there, there was no. You didn't see girls in gyms lifting weights or doing any physical. No. 
being thin and and having almost no muscle it was uh it was uh for me it was shocking actually uh i would see a young girl in a bus station or a bus and she'd be holding the the thing with her triceps wiggling like jelly and i think oh my god you know uh this is not healthy, but yeah. today when you go into a gym, there's women oh, yeah. who look like they could uh, terrorize me. For, you know. well, well, some of the, the best competitors in my club are women. Right, okay. These are foreigners, or are they local? No, no, in, in my club, uh, there's uh, one other foreign guy, and uh, he and I would be the only foreigners. Okay, all, all right. The, all the other men and women are Taiwanese. I've seen a few women here that look like they might be foreign women that look like they're part of that community. Maybe they go to a different club or... There, there's a lot of clubs now. There, right. There, there are large commercial clubs from the USA and there are many local clubs. Why is that? Is that because the internet allows people to see how this is done? Uh, YouTube and, and, yeah, and movies and maybe like Tommy. I think it's called Tommy or... Uh, well... I mean, really, when, when people ask me, I say, it's just a lot of fun. Right. Like, it, it really is fun. You know, if, if you're involved in these high-level competitions, there's the danger that we talked about. Mm. But uh, generally, you know, you, you go to these clubs, the people are nice. Mm. I, I would say, in general, MMA is a, a better educated crowd in Taiwan. Mm. Uh, mm. The, the people, the, my head coach right, right now mm. uh, graduated from a national university, and he worked for uh, an American investment bank. When, when I met him, he was an American investment bank salesman. You hear a lot of that from jujitsu people. Yeah. Highly educated. Yeah. Uh, they like the, the chess strategy yeah. mindset of a, of something like that. I yeah. think there was a guy named uh, Sam Harris on YouTube that, that does jujitsu and is also a doctor in neurology or something like this. Uh, some other types that pop up on the internet. Uh, we all know Joe Rogan, I guess, yeah. right? The legendary. He's on YouTube. He's a... Uh, I don't know what he does. He does everything, right? Yeah, so. he, he has a, uh, he's the New Jersey State uh, Taekwondo champion, but he's got a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I guess his uh, he has a podcast on the Internet that's quite amusing. Uh, yeah. Talks about everything under the sun. Yeah. Uh, he's more popular, actually, than CNN, apparently, of all yeah. things. Oh, okay. Yes, a lot of folks. Unbelievable. You know, uh, if someone... Uh, we're coming to Taiwan for the first time, and they want to get involved in something. They would just have to Google that on the internet, right? Oh yeah, there, there's lots of uh, clubs available on the internet. And uh, if if uh, they are there certain clubs you would kind of steer them away from? Or would you recommend they go to a foreigner, mostly a foreigner group first to get because they don't speak Chinese, right? They do most of these clubs speak English a little bit, well, or? Well, well, my coach, uh, my coach speaks fluent English, uh, and the, uh, getting instructed in English in my club, or in English or Japanese or uh, Chinese or Taiwanese, is no problem in my club. Uh, I, I'd say most of the clubs that, that I know of in Taipei are like that, in, in Taiwan, the, okay. the clubs that I'm familiar with. Um, yeah, the big commercial clubs have have lots of foreign and, and Taiwanese members. Right. They, the language problem, I always thought, might be something that, you know, you might want to steer them towards this club as opposed to another one. Um, and the, uh, wow, you know, there seem to be gyms on every corner now. Uh, they have these uh, amazing gyms. Back in the day when you had to pay, like, a, a yearly contract to go to a world gym and, 
you know, lift weights and a little bit of boxing. Now, you know, you can go in and pay for, you know, it's a minute per, what is it, one NT uh, a minute, right? And if you get, uh, you know, 200 NT, you get 200 minutes of training. You can go in and lift weights for 20 minutes. And if you like the place, you can come back. If you don't, there's no, you know, there's no contract that where they're going to sue you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, $100 a month U.S., uh, which was something I was locked into for many, many, many years. Um, but do you go to any other types of gyms besides MMAs? Do you go to lifting? Do you lift at all anymore? Or? Uh, sometimes I go to the local community gym. Yes, I've been to those. Those are very nice. Yeah, they're okay. Amazing. They're 50 NT, right, yeah, for yeah. an hour or half hour? Well, um, mine, mine is all, all day, as long as you want to stay. Okay. You're talking about these city community gyms they have? Yeah. Amazing. They yeah. have swimming pools, and they're shockingly cheap. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, the clean. Um, nothing you would find in America. Oh, my gosh. No I way. Like that. I, I, I was very surprised to find this. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would go in there and lift a little bit, 20 minutes, and uh, before I couldn't find enough weight to lift, and then I ended up in World Gym, and, yeah. you know, that was a different experience, of course. Well, well that, 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 that would be the, the biggest drawback of the community gyms is, is uh, 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 because they're aimed at sort of uh, lo uh, local, right. local people, a lot of older people. In a lot of gym. elderly go in there yeah. just to rehab. Yeah. You they, might, they might not have a lot of weight or a lot of different equipment. But um, just for staying in shape, yeah, they're, they're great. They're great, absolutely. Taiwan is a special place. Um, well, I think that's it for uh, this episode of Fantastic Formosa. Thanks a lot, uh, Scott, for uh, dropping by. I, mean, I, I think we're going to have you on for another episode. Is that a possibility? Oh, that'd be great, John. It's All been right. great talking to you. All right, I, great. I'm looking forward to that. That's fun. Thank you very much. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Yeah, Bye-bye.